This podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. It also discusses events that occurred on the lands of the Wurrung people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. everyone this is a follow-up episode we're going to be talking about Chalkles Nellie Louise Kasner Moss again uh, now in this episode we have my dad Peter Tangi as a guest and we get straight into it so before we start I thought I should give you a bit of a recap on what we know so far about Chalkles to get the full backstory it'd be really good if you could listen to Penn Hall a rose by any name and Chalkles book of rhymes because they were our previous episodes that we did with dad. So Chalkles lived with Penn Hall in Newstead in central Victoria and that's how my dad got to know them when he was a kid and he used to go to their house every Saturday to do odd jobs for them. Now Chalkles was an extremely unconventional person for the era. She dressed in men's clothing and she swore and she shouted quite a bit. I'm not sure, we're not sure whether she was qualified as a vet, but she certainly had a lot of veterinarian knowledge and she treated sick animals in the district. So she became quite a well-known and respected person in the community. So in the episode Chalkle's Book of Rhymes, we discussed Chalkle's childhood. Her father, Matthew Kasnamos, was a prominent doctor who practiced in Echuca and then Perth. He was Jewish, but after he had children, his children were not raised Jewish uh, Chalkles did an arts degree at Perth University. Uh, she played tennis very badly and she went to some bridge parties. And that's pretty much what we know about that time of her life. And while she was living in Perth, she met Penn Hall. And Penn Hall was a married woman in her 30s. She had a sort of a socialite background. Her mother was a prominent women's rights campaigner and her father had been mayor of Brisbane and Pennell was a very glamorous person who attended a lot of sort of society events. In many ways, Chalkles and Penhall might seem like opposites, but the two of them met and they obviously got along very well. And they ended up breeding Cocker Spaniels together. And eventually they moved to Victoria and they lived together for decades after that and were partners. So we're going to be picking up on Chalkles' life. She would have been in her 40s. She was in quite a few newspaper articles at that time. Hello, Peter. You're back. This is my oh. dad. Peter's back on in those days. Oh, I'm excited. I'm back in Melbourne again. It's oh. wonderful. It's been a hot minute since we last saw you. But I'm feeling homesick. <laughs> you can go home after this. Yeah, we'll get you, you back on the train Thank fairly you. soon. Um, and the reason why we got you back is because our subject, Chalkles, Nellie Louise Kasnamos, is such a big topic that we've had to break her into two. It's a bit painful to digest. Yeah. <laughs> Please do go back and listen to our previous episode, which is all about Chalkles. Um, Otherwise, you have no idea what we're talking about. You won't about. know who she is. You'll have no context. She's now living in Victoria. We're in the 1940s. There's quite a few articles in the paper all relating to one incident that Chalkles was involved in. And this is when Chalkles gave evidence into the Victorian Royal Commission inquiring into the origins, aims, objectives and funding 
of communism, the Communist Party of Australia. It was a royal commission. It was run by Supreme Court Judge Sir Charles Lowe. Now, Dad, you grew up in the Cold War. We got the tail end of it, really. Um, what it's did warming up by the time we were around. <laughs> yeah. What did you know about communism growing up? I suppose there's a whole lot of family background and all sorts of things involved in this because, as you know, uh, my parents were Catholic mm. and uh, I mentioned in the last episode that Ch- uh, Chalkles converted to Catholicism. <laughs> the Catholic Church's position, there was a famous... Uh, Bishop of Melbourne, Dr Mannix, and people who have done a lot of research mm. know a lot about him, I don't. But the bottom line is that the thought was that in communist countries such as China that uh, Catholicism was banned, mm. outlawed, the participants were uh, persecuted, perhaps uh, in Catholic terms martyred, mm. and that sort of gave the right of the church to to certainly encourage people to be very anti-communist. Mm-hmm. And it was felt that uh, communism took away people's freedoms. And that's the sort of background that I think yeah. Chalkles would come from. Yeah. Mm. And also, you know, Stalin running around being awful and I think a lot of people on the left took a long time to realise exactly what had gone mm. on. I, and I think in that time, and I'm still not sure that people understand today, mm. that there is a very big difference between socialism and communism. And it, I, I always envisaged, even though Chalkles come from a, a privileged background, mm. in a sense, a doctor, it's not working class. Mm, no. That mm. Chalkles always willing to help people, mm. always willing to help people a bit down and out. And uh, I would describe Chalkles in my memory as an anti-communist socialist. That's very Mm. interesting. Chalkles' evidence to the Royal Commission was quite sensational and it was reported in a number of papers. In the Herald on the 26th of July 1949, um, they actually described Chalkles' physical appearance which they didn't usually do for witnesses. And so it says, The witness was Miss Chalkles Nellie Louise Kasnamos of Welshman's Reef, Victoria, farmer. She was dressed in jobbers, flat-heeled brown shoes, a man's grey overcoat and scarf, and a man's brown felt hat. We don't know which man she stole them off. No. Um, that sounds like Chalkles, yep. That is exactly <laughs> yeah. that. That is how she felt comfortable. In some ways, it's okay because this was her saying, okay, I'm as good as a man. Mm. Mm. Even though, and I can dress as a man if I want to. Mm. And uh, you've got to stand up and listen to me because even today you put a frilly frock on and people don't listen quite as intently. Yep, that is uh, probably a really sad thing. That's sad why truth. I'm not listening to you much today. And it's <laughs> really frock. It's the green turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also a photo of her. It's very grainy, but I think mm. you get the idea. Yes. Yes, yeah. So Chalkle's evidence, the reporting on it, I found a little bit confusing because it goes in, in a few different directions. But I think the clearest description is from the Argus from the 27th of July, 1949. Woman farmer's evidence at Red Inquiry. The fact that she was a woman farming and the fact that she looked mm. unconventional, people were definitely noticing it and putting in those comments. Yeah. 
Evidence of statements on communism allegedly made to her by university tutors and conversations with other people was given by a woman farmer at the Royal Commission on Communism yesterday. The witness, Miss Chalkles Nellie Louise Casamos of Welshman's Reef, Victoria, said she had been told by a Mrs Daniel Taylor, a tutor at Trinity College, Melbourne University, that political opponents would be liquidated if the Communist Party came to power because they would be too dangerous if left alive. Miss Moss said she first met Mrs Taylor and her husband while studying at Perth University in 1928 to 29. Mrs Taylor was then Miss Grubb. Oh, bet she was. Chalkles did not hear of them again until 1943 when she heard that Taylor was lecturing at Melbourne University and his wife was at Trinity. All three of us, we're all Melbourne University graduates. Alumni. Christina, what are you, art science? Did art science, then just did teaching after that. Me, art science, Dad. Uh, science. Yeah, but you started off. Yeah, you started off doing engineering, but you didn't like. That, I didn't. Did I, I don't know how, but I passed the first year, <laughs> and then got out of it. And then you went back and did science teaching. Science like. education. Yeah. Yes, mm. I, I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, um, I didn't want to be stuck in a chemical factory again. <laughs> I think that was a good call for you, actually, Dad. And I've got a photo of the grub here. If anyone wants to, I'd see like to see the, the grub. grub. There she is. Oh. Strange hair. Yeah. Strange hairline in general. Yeah. Did she have any larvae? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know and it's really frustrating. Actually, I, I haven't been able to find out what happens to the tailors after this. But they were an interesting couple. I'll read you this article about the tailors from the West Australian on the 15th of August, 1933. And it's about their early relationship. Success at Oxford. Perth students master difficulties. Mr D Taylor and his wife, Mrs Mabel Taylor, were each given first-class honours in the recent Modern Greats examinations at Oxford. Mm. Coming from Western Australia in 1931, they surmounted great monetary difficulties in order to secure high Oxford distinctions. Mrs Taylor is the only woman placed in the first-class greats this year and it is believed to be unprecedented for a husband and wife simultaneously to secure firsts. Well done. Usually mm. either the man's a dud or the woman's a yeah. <laughs> They can't both be winners. Exactly. When the tailors found that, living separately, they would not have enough money to complete their courses, they married. It's the only solution. And lived in a village three miles from Oxford from where the wife cycled to lectures. What did the husband do? He got a chauffeur-driven limo. <laughs> Maybe she dinked him. I don't yeah. know. Um, how did you go for money when you first moved to Melbourne, Dad, to study? Bit rude, Bit rude Penny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not about me, Pen, but yeah, it, I was in the very, very lucky era. Mm. I uh, was able to get a Commonwealth scholarship when I was yep. doing um, uh, engineering and then I was able to change over to a studentship, a teaching studentship, which bonded you to the education department for three years. God, but, life. <laughs> but it was Shackles. better money than the Commonwealth Scholarship. Ah. And. That's how you get And then them you had in. to go and teach in the country or something? or You, had you, to... you went to go and t- teach in any school yeah, they you told you in told Victoria. Except, and this is fantastic, the word hex had not been invented. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. I feel so sorry for the people today. The stories I read of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt mm. and then those people trying to buy houses with that debt on top of mm. more mm. debt. Uh, I was in the lucky era, very lucky era. Mm. So do you get along well with other boomers when you give them these opinions? <laughs> um, well, well, I think all the boomers know that. And, uh, you know, some of the boomers went on to have children and seen how harder it has been for them than mm. it was for us. Free education. Mm. And that was one of the mantras of both the major political parties at the time. Yeah. Sorry. Back to the grub and yeah. husband. During terms, the husband did the housework while she was particularly busy. Controversial. Well, that's disgusting. The now, times this, were really... This was reported in the 30s. Yeah. Uh. 1933. During the university vacations, Mr Taylor earned a little money teaching in London county schools and when these also went on holidays, husband and wife found that the cheapest method of living was to cycle in the country, sleeping under the stars. Oh, I suppose it was summer. It was all right. Yeah. Finally, they rented an orchard near Oxford for five shillings a week. And ate the apples exclusively. <laughs> oh, and had the runs. <laughs> Plum trees, obviously. Yeah. Mm. And completed their studies in philosophy and economics in the open air. Oh. Well, they didn't need laptops, so they would have been able to do it. Yep. Mr Taylor and his wife, formerly Miss Mabel Grubb, are both graduates of the University of Western Australia. They left for England with Hackett studentships in 1931, which is like a scholarship. And after their marriage, Mrs. Taylor's studentship was withdrawn. Yes. Oh, yes. Excellent work. You don't need money if you have a husband. No, just latch on. That's right. And don't forget, this is in the days where it was often thought that women didn't need an education because they'd stay at home and look after the children and that the husband was the breadwinner. So the thing that I did think reading about this is they were both academic high flyers and I do think maybe it's possible that Chalkles could have been a little bit jealous. Maybe. Possible. Possible. But she got called out if there was a down cow. doesn't get much better than that. I'd be pumped to get that call. I'm coming. Was there any... Now, I know... Mm. There was evidence to the inquiry, uh, the communist inquiry, but was there any evidence that these two people were communists? Well, I didn't find that afterwards. But anyway, well, and it was okay to be a communist. It was a question of what influence you were trying to have on other things and whether you were doing Mm. it legally that was the issue. At this point, the Communist Party wasn't banned. So it wasn't illegal to be a communist. But it takes us back to the times where it might have been thought that some universities were had communist cells in them. Mm, yes. That, that influenced and uh, recruited people to become so-called undercover. Mm. This is exactly people. what you and Chalkles are of one mind I'll I'll keep reading her evidence. I saw Mrs Daniel Taylor in the 1944 to 45 long vacation. I asked her if she was a communist. She said she wasn't, but that she and her husband were sympathetic to the party, Mrs Moss said. I asked her how that squared up with their university duties. 
She said everyone had an axe to grind and that lecturers and tutors were in excellent positions to influence students. She explained that the conspiratorial aspects of holding views which their parents knew nothing about appealed to adolescents, which is probably true. Mm. Which is uh, probably, if you read certain aspects of the media today, maybe suggesting the same thing. (laughs) Exactly. Party left ring teachers. Yes. Yeah, well, they're still saying, and the ABC. They're still saying it, aren't they? But, Dad, in the, you, were, you know, when you were at uni, did you feel like um, your lecturers and tutors were trying to get you yeah. into any...? Well, definitely no, because I was studying science and maths. And Appealed more there, to the arty ones. There, there, yeah, there's not a lot of sort of communist philosophy in Pythagoras, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not. And, Christina, did you...? I didn't pick up on any communist undertones. Okay. I just just a lot of left wing stuff that was basically about getting good t shirts. Yeah, but no espionage is up. No espionage, saying. disappointingly. No foreign governments no. influencing you. Okay. I did have one teacher though that I mean, well, lecturer that I think probably was a bad influence on me. Mm. What did they do? They'd say, Can Peter Tangy please report to me after this lecture? Mm. And uh, I'd waltz up and say, What's wrong? He said, I want to have a quaddy. Will you go down and put it on for me? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Later in 1945, Mrs Dan Taylor complained about working conditions and exploitation of the working class. She said the Communist Party did not want the federal government to implement its social services scheme because it would make the working class complacent and indifferent to the Communist Party. Sometime between January and May of 1946, Mrs Taylor asked me why I would not cooperate with the party. She said I was acceptable to the farmers in the district. She suggested that I should at least cease opposing the party's activities in the area, otherwise it would be unpleasant for me when the party came to power. So one of the things that's interesting about that is that Chalkles is claiming that Mrs Taylor is saying that she had influence on farmers. Do you think that would be true, that Chalkles would be able to talk to people about and influence them on her? I think there probably is grounds to suggest that. You know, she was a very intelligent person and in those days, you've got to remember, all all the politics was one-to-one. It wasn't uh, on Facebook. No Facebook. Limited telephone stuff. Um, I'm sure you might allude to this later, but, you know, even the, the big politicians, where they, they did the town hall of every country town. Mm. It had to be personal. Mm. And that was how people got their information. Yeah, that's interesting. And did you ever talk about politics with Chalkles? I suppose in some ways I did, but not in a deep way like... Uh, we're thinking about it now. No, she never ever tried to really influence me in uh, the way I thought, think or thought. As I said, there was no, there were papers and all of that, yeah. but political parties published pamphlets on their policies and they could hand them out you know, like notices for the comedy festival. <laughs> and People put them in the bin. <laughs> yeah. And remember, no television. Yeah. Or television had only just started. And 
there was at that time a big split in the Labor Party. Yes. And... Which was based on a lot of it was based on communism. The party, it the, was all the section of the party, the Catholics who really opposed communism, broke off into the DLP. Is that right? It, it was all based on the three things: the, the communism, the Catholic Church, yeah. and the Labor Party. And many of the much of the Labor Party were made up of working class people working-class Irish Catholics. Mm. And once the church started to put out the message that communism, you wouldn't be able to practise your religion, pretty powerful. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then there's reds under the bed, (laughs) uh, which was what some people, like yours, would perceive as a problem. There's people like Mrs Grubb, (laughs) <laughs> who's trying to be a normal citizen, mm. who's really, you know, surreptitiously undermining the thinking of society. And then, of course, what happened with the Labor Party? There was the split. And like, when that occurred, I was only three-year-old, but you pick up on the history on it. And you have no greater or worst enemy than when you've fallen out with a friend. Mm. And... I think it's the same in politics today. Some of the people's biggest enemies in politics are people on their side. Mm. And uh, I've heard lots of uh, very good stories of politicians whose best mates were on the other side of Parliament. Mm. Now, uh, when the split came, it was vicious. It was nasty. The end result of it was that it kept the Labor Party out of government until Whitlam days. That was because the DLP was formed. They always gave their preferences to the Liberal Party, which kept the Liberals, even though on many elections, by the scare, you know, the bee's dick, so, so, so. And don't forget, these DLP people who left the Labor Party, in my opinion only, Mm. others may disagree, they were socialists who were so anti-communists that come out the other side. Right. Okay. So these pamphlets... Oh, you're getting back to the pamphlets. The pamphlets. I'm in year nine. <laughs> Little snotty-nosed boy from Newstead, which had to write an essay on something, or rather a composition we might have called in those days. Mm. And I had no understanding of subjectivity whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and my... Oh, I'd been up at Miss Moss's and she had all these deal pay, um, policy pamphlets around. <laughs> and I said, can I have a couple of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought I'll write this woman essay pretty quick so I can go out and kick the footy or catch a fish. <laughs> and... Um, I just quoted great big slabs out of these um, <laughs> DLP. Well, this must be correct. <laughs> yeah. DLP, uh, you know. It's printed on nice yeah. paper. I like yeah. wood. I yeah. like yeah. the font. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well, oh, I thought, oh, yeah, that's all right. I've done a pretty good job here. Well, it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and probably for the first time in my life, I felt rejection. <laughs> <laughs> There's red ink all over it. 
how can you prove this? You know, where's your source for that? <laughs> and uh, it certainly I learned a very big lesson that day. As a little year nine, I didn't understand the political con- consequences of some of these statements and all the <laughs> things that were quoted. And like all I know is it was one of the most intensely embarrassing experiences <laughs> of them. my oh. teenage Oh, yuck. I remember one comment that I once got back on, a, on an essay that I just passed. She'd written, this essay suffered because it was a whole, the whole thing was meant to be about postmodernism. And she goes, she writes, your essay clearly suffered by the fact that you clearly don't understand what postmodernism is. <laughs> and I just read it and I was like, yeah, you kind of missed the whole point. It's, it's fair. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a very confusing concept. It, it was one of those essays that I wrote going, look, it doesn't make sense to me, but maybe... But what, what I've heard but is... maybe what I'm writing will make more sense to someone else. <laughs> I get, when I was doing a, a Bachelor of Education after I'd started teaching, I forget the topic that we had to write on it, but, uh, you know, what influences the community and something mm. like that. I so, <laughs> so I sailed into the the influence of a country football club on a community and how important it was. Now, this lecturer mm. obviously just didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I got the same sort of red stuff and uh, whatever that I had before, but I I didn't worry about it then. Because I knew I was right. Yeah, yeah, and they just hadn't understood. And as you know, a very good friend of ours, uh, Dr Matthew Nicholson, mm. has made a career of writing about Australian football and its importance uh, and to actually, communities. And really just following in the footsteps of uh, Peter Tangy. That's right. That, well, trailblazer. That, 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 that plagiarism. just didn't <laughs> get it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Chalkles kept giving this evidence. There's a few different strains. There's something about a politician who she thought was... Can you name the politician? Pro, oh, he, he was called Taylor as well. Oh, yes. Too many Taylors. Yeah. And, and stitch him up, I said, stitch him yeah. up. So Chalkles <laughs> was basically involved in trying to get someone in instead of a communist and then, you know, it's it's confusing and complicated. She really slags off her old friend Mabel Grubb mm. and Taylor. Her evidence was not particularly well received by the commissioner. And I found a 1973 a thesis written by Vicky Rastrick who said, the effect was considerably aggravated by Moss's poor performance as a witness. Lowe's cautionary remarks betrayed a hint of real irritation at the hysterical tone with which she delivered her charges of <laughs> communist ill-doings and particularly at her persistent refusal to limit herself to the questions asked. Mm. So she doesn't seem to have been a particularly good re- a witness, but I do also wonder whether sometimes maybe her physical appearance and her unconventional mm, style, whether she wasn't taken seriously. Like when you look at the the Herald, which chose to describe her physical appearance, even mm. though they never did that for other people and put in a photo of her and it's kind of all, I do wonder, I think she was running off on a tangent and I think she was just, she was at one point asked, what's your opinion of communism? And she said, I loathe them. <laughs> yeah. So she was definitely just completely biased. But also, I, I, you know, I do wonder a little bit. Whether she, she, whether she was taken seriously because yeah, of the way she dressed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's quite normal that people who 
rightly or wrongly are passionate about an issue, run off on a tangent and keep they, passion mm, away. They do. And look, and I think Lowe did – I think he probably did an okay job in the commission. Probably wasn't what people expected. It didn't turn into a witch hunt like, you know, in the – McCarthy. Mirror. Yeah, it didn't, mm. that didn't happen. And apparently he, he did seem to really try and understand the principles of communism, people said. In his report, he said, Communism presents a view of history and an outlook on life which evokes from its adherents a fanatical devotion and promotes in its opponents a fanatical hatred. Each of these responses is very apt to distort the testimony of a witness so affected and both are likely to cause the witness to relate for fact what is really no more than suspicion. Probably very astute. I th- and I think that probably wasn't what the government was hoping hoping he would conclude. In the end, I think actually there was some espionage going on, but he said that there wasn't. He said it's clear that the Communist Party thinks that the law is wrong. They will break the law. They're not. Yeah. And they are involved and they are trying to influence things in any way that they can. But he didn't think that it was espionage at that time. It's the same as exactly it is today. Other countries aren't allowed spies. But we've got them. But we've got them. <laughs> and we're not telling you they are. <laughs> yeah, so it was just really interesting to get that little glimpse of how other people saw chocolates at the time, I think. Yes. So your family, Dad, obviously big, big split, not just in the party but in the community, lots of animosity. Which way did... Which way did Pa and Nana go? Well, they were Catholic. Yeah. So I think at the time, uh, I might be wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right, that Dad was Secretary of the New State Labor Party. Oh. And uh, again, in, in those days, lots of country towns had their own branches of the political parties. Oh. I know there was a, a branch of the country party in Newstead. Uh, I think the Liberal Party might have been based in Maryborough, but I'm not sure. But, you know, all the little country towns had Labor Party branches and it did cause big splits between mm. members of the community. And remember, this is, a lot of this is worked out on uh, religious grounds, which mm. has improved so much today, of course. You know, the Catholics went to the DLP. A lot of the, the country party people would have been Church of England. Mm. They tended to be the more wealthy, all the Presbyterians. So Dad definitely went to the DLP and, and Mum, and that's where he would have found a lot in common with Chalkles. I think they used to discuss politics together, mm. but I didn't sit around listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, and so when you were growing up, did you... F- were you aware of who was Catholic and who was, wasn't? Yeah, because you'd see them at church. Yeah. And, and there was also, in those days, you couldn't go to each other's churches. Yep. You know, yeah. Somebody died, you didn't go to their funeral. No. Oh, you'd turn up at the cemetery. And you had to get, yeah, sometimes there had to be like special dispensations to go to someone's wedding and things. This is a story you may not have heard, Penny and Christina. But there's quite a few years past, so uh, I'm going to let it out now. All right, let it out. Here we go. This is an exclusive. Uh, The new Methodist minister was appointed to Newstead. And, of course, Dad was a key member of the RSL. 
And uh, this man, I think his name was Moxon, was a par, had been a padre in the army, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dad and he didn't see thing I was doing too too much at all. Peter Ward, my mate, was uh, around at my place playing, mm. and Mister Moxon come around to our house. Voices started to get raised. Ooh. And uh, Mr. Boxham, I can uh, recall saying, well, with your outlook and with your religion, there's not much hope. <gasps> and, and Dad said, you're nothing but a bloody communist. <laughs> Slid it out. And at this stage, Mr. Moxham took a swing at Dad or Dad took a swing at Mr. Moxham. Mr. Moxham landed and oh. Dad's got blood pouring out of his nose. Oh. Brother Bill happened to be there as well, oh, I think. Oh, Brother Bill would have a go, wouldn't he? Uh, got him out the gate. Yeah. You know. And, uh, you know, I'd never seen my dad bleeding before and this is, this is quite very... Was Nana there? She would have been oh, beside man, herself. She would have been screaming. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty shocking. And it did happen yeah. on our property. Yeah. He came to us, you know. Yeah. Anyway, five minutes later, this Moxham comes back at the gate and he yells out to Brother Bill. I've lost my watch. Can you get it for me? <laughs> oh, my God. Brazen. And our uh, pathway into the, yeah, I remember the gate it. to that, yeah. so it's a concrete path. Yeah. And Bill looked around found the watch and, and he picked it up <gasps> and he threw it into the concrete path and said, there it is, Mr Moxham, pick it up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got it. Wow. Now, of course... This caused some division in the community. Just a little bit. <laughs> you were either on Bill Tangy's side or Moxham's side. Yeah. Which was very much based on religion, except, and uh, you need Brother Bill to confirm this, there were very few people who castigated Dad. Dad had work friends and others who were Methodists, people in the, the RSL like Digger Hall, uh, who stuck, stuck by, uh, with Dad like shit to a shovel. <laughs> well, and uh, Moxham was run out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Without his watch. <laughs> and he had no idea yeah. what the time no. was. No. He no heart, no ticker. <laughs> he just kept being late for everything. Yes. <laughs> so that's a family story that wow. you may not wow. have heard. I mean, it just shows. I'm sure there were things like that happening all over the place. Of just these really heated. See, I may have been eight or nine at the time. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and you know, I don't think Pa was usually in fights, was he? No. Yeah. Definitely not. Well, thank you so much, Dad, for coming in again and telling us more. It's lovely to see you, Christine. You too. And you, Penny. Glad there's plenty of ways you can edit this. We can't put people in boxes. That's right. Although we all finish having one in the end. Yeah. <laughs>